Hi everyone, this is Alex Maders. Thank you for joining for another episode. I'm joined by Jake DeSillis, who is currently based in Brighton. I'm in London. Um, welcome aboard, Jake. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, hi, could, Alex. Yeah, hi. Could you give us a, I suppose, a, a within a five minute, very quick overview of, 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 of your life, I suppose, up until this point? <laughs> sure. Well, um, I spent a long time in university and did a PhD, and then I developed a company, uh, a consultancy company, and I founded it and grew it and sold that business. And when I sold the business, I worked for the company that bought my company for a few years, and then I sort of quit the rat race, I suppose you could say. And in 2010, I, I worked my last day on the job, and since then, I've been living job-free and doing a lot of travel. I've written books about entrepreneurship and financial independence, and I have a podcast called The Voluntary Life about these topics, about designing a life of your own choosing, in particular focusing on financial independence and the kind of freedom that that gives you, how to achieve it, um, what you might do once you become job-free and so forth. And so that's been my focus. And um, we, as I was uh, just saying to you before we started recording, my wife and I have been doing a lot of travel uh, over the last 10 years, but we've now started a family. And so we're back in Brighton for the moment and our travel lifestyle is sort of on hold. We still go away for a couple of months during the winter, but we're, we're giving the kids a bit of more of a stable base, at least in the first years. And then we're going to revisit our travel lifestyle then. So those are the kinds of things that I talk about on my podcast and in my books. And I do a lot of um, uh, episodes about things like um, establishing a, a business for travel and, and establishing financial independence and that kind of thing. So that's, that's really what I'm about. Mm, very interesting. And you've been putting out a lot of content through, through the podcast, The Voluntary Life. Very intriguing how, how dedicated you've been to that. And I'm, I'm intrigued to find out a little bit more about what's driving you to want to share so much and in so much depth and so much detail around um, the concepts of freedom and, and psychology and investing and all that kind of stuff. What's, what's driven you to be so prolific with the podcast? Well, I, as I said, I, I had this business and when I sold my business, <laughs> it gave me an interesting opportunity because I didn't have to work anymore. And I did work for a few years for the company that bought my business, kind of integrating it and, and making sure that it uh, carried on. But it also gave me a chance to reflect on what was important to me and what did I want from life in general? And at the time I was working as a director of an international, um, uh, well, a multinational engineering consultancy company. I was getting to travel around and so forth. And I could well have stayed in that job and earned more money and so forth. But I had the opportunity to think about, well, what, what, is, what is the point of earning money? What, what do I want from it? And what I really uh, started to explore was the idea of living the kind of life that I wanted to live. And that doesn't necessarily mean continuing on a career path. For me, it meant deciding to live frugally on my investments from selling my business and just basically maximizing my time to do the kinds of things that I want to do, which is think about ideas that are important to me and explore how I can live each part of my life according to my own values. And that involved me thinking about what did I want from my life? And I, I had a huge reassessment once I sold my business of my personal relationships and of my career and, and everything else. And as part of that process, I started podcasting just to talk about the kinds of books that I was reading, the ideas that I was thinking about, and also to connect with other people who were designing a life of their own choosing, particularly other people who are interested in these kinds of topics like financial independence and travel and personal freedom. And so I did some interviews and read books and did some reviews and that kind of thing. And through that process, shared these ideas because they're ideas that are really meaningful to me. And I think it's so important. I think, for example, when it comes to personal freedom, I'm completely anti-politics. I'm not interested in politics at all. And partly, part of that is because I think the most tangible kind of freedom that you can achieve in your own life is when you take responsibility for yourself, for getting the kind of freedom that you can actually achieve. And financial independence is the most important kind of freedom that you can have because if you can afford to live from savings in a, in a 
a kind of frugal and for me a, a sort of minimalist way then you can have the opportunity to spend your life as you want and that's the kind of freedom that i really value and so these ideas are really meaningful to me and i wanted to share them and connect with other people who were interested in them as well i certainly am drawn to the idea of financial freedom and i think it's something that i've in some way or another been working towards for the last 15 years and um, I very much see the lifestyle that I have as being free for the most part I think probably less free in some ways and more free in other ways and it's interesting that you talk about financial freedom because that's pretty much how I got into uh, seeing my career begin to take take some form um, and, and build up some momentum so so I think I think I got into it through reading as many would the four-hour work week by uh, Tim Ferriss and I got really excited about the possibility of being able to um, create income that would um, be created, be brought in as I, as I slept. And at the, the tender age of 21, that sounded like a very interesting idea. Mm. And um, so for me, the journey into that started with um, kind of going, going back into and revisiting my interest for making art. And I started um, making graphics to, to be shared online that I would then earn royalties through just just a sort of bright idea that came up just maybe i could make money by making designs and earning income through that and that turned out to be a good a good move it, it ended up paying the rent for me in london at one point since sort of died down a little bit but um was able to pay the rent through the earnings from those illustrations <clears throat> and it sort of put me uh, accidentally almost into a new phase of my career so moving away from what was going to be a real estate career into an illustration and graphic design business um, because clients were finding me online and that kind of stuff so so in terms of creating that freedom through income and running my own deal and, and being self-employed a very different trajectory to what I'm hearing from you which is very much along the, the kind of let's build build a business uh, see it through to a functioning system and then selling that. Whereas I'm still in a sort of um, pay, you know, be paid by the hour type deal. There's still some money coming in passively through the illustrations and other things. But for the most part, I'm, I'm definitely in that sort of self-employed quadrant, if you want to see it that way. Right. So yeah, I think that's really interesting because what you're talking about, and especially the four-hour work week, I know a lot of people found that to be a very appealing idea. Mm -hmm. And what's been interesting for me is thinking about the different ways of achieving a job-free life. Because I noticed that you know, the route I took was through startup entrepreneurship. I built a business and sold it. And that is an incredibly intense experience. I thought it was a, a yeah. great experience and a really, you know, a really amazing uh, peak experience to have. But I know that for some people, that doesn't appeal to them. And similarly, with the kind of lifestyle business and passive income approach that Tim Ferriss talks about in the 4-Hour Workweek and other people have talked about, that can be really appealing to some people. But for others, it just, it doesn't, they don't get a lot of, uh, um, they don't feel passionate about that idea. I mean, yeah. for me, for example, I really wanted to throw myself all in to a business that I felt very passionate about and that felt, I felt was very meaningful to me. And a lot of the ideas behind the four hour work week is creating a passive income generating machine. And, and that's sort of the goal, not so much doing a business, you know, that you feel has a purpose and that you feel um, kind of in, invested in, not just for the money, but also for what it's doing. So what I was interested to do was to think about the different approaches that you can take, because it's not necessarily one way is going to fit for everyone. And so in my podcast and, and eventually in the book that I wrote, Job Free, I came up with a sort of four different approaches that I think some people take. There's the passive income approach that you described, which Tim Ferriss talks about in the four hour work week. Then there's the sort of startup entrepreneurship approach, which is the way that I took, where you, you start something, you grow it, you get it as big as you can, you sell it. But there are other approaches too. And one that I find very interesting, which again was not my way, but is, is the way that a lot of people who achieve financial independence take, is the approach of extreme saving. And typically, these are people who don't work for themselves. They work for somebody else. They work in a company. Often, they're people who have quite good, well-paid jobs as, as engineers and so forth. And what they do is they just live a super frugal life. 
for 10 years in these high paid jobs, they effectively continue living like a student for, yeah. for 10 years of their career. And yet their earnings grow and grow and they save all that money until they can get to the point where they basically live an extremely frugal life, but they are able to live without a job because they're living that frugal life. Yeah. Again, it's not the way for everyone because, you know, you have to really make some sacrifices if you want to achieve freedom that way. But it yeah. is another approach. And lastly, there's another approach, which I think in the way that you describe what you're doing is similar to, and that's the approach called unjobbing, mm -hmm. which is a way of finding different sources of income from things that interest you. Not, not quite the same as the, as the four hour work week approach of just creating like a passive income machine, but it's more like finding things that you, you value, you, you enjoy doing, that you can get income from that aren't a job, but are enough to keep you going and that you feel like you would be doing these things anyway because you enjoy doing them. And so there are unjobbers who, who achieve a kind of job-free lifestyle that way too. And I find it really interesting to, to see that they, these different approaches, I think they can work for different people. And it, although one of them may not appeal to you, there may be another one that appeals to you. So that's why I wanted my, in my podcast, not just to tell everyone, you should be a startup entrepreneur like me, you should build a business and sell it like I did. Because for some people that just isn't going to be an enjoyable lifestyle. And, and starting a business for some people just seems like a lot of stress and they don't have an idea and, and they can't think of a, a way to make it work and so forth. So for some, it might be better to choose one of these other routes. But I think it's possible to find your own path to achieving a job-free life in one of these different ways. Yeah, interesting. So definitely relies on you being self-aware in terms of knowing what you want. And if you're looking, if you're looking to create um, financially free setup, um, it's interesting to know that there are different there are different avenues you could take. So certainly ha have some have some thought on on those. And as you say, there were four different ways of doing it that you that you mentioned in the book, uh, mm. job-free. Job one of the other ways I suppose that's coming to mind, if, if it might be valid to add to that, would be, I don't know if you've come across Grant Cardone's sort of 10x approach to, to living, which is very, very much uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum to the extreme saving um, approach. And just sort of, it kind of came to mind when you mentioned the saving thing, which is sort of, um, rather than living frugally, it's, it's about sort of emphasizing finding what you can become really skilled at and really pushing that as far as it can go. So it could, it could, it could be working for someone else and becoming really skilled as an employee, or it could be um, becoming very skilled in a freelance profession, whatever it is. <clears throat> and then really maximizing that and focusing on bringing in as much income as you can. I know that many would probably um, not enjoy the idea of that so much as, as much as the other, the other methods, but um creating a lot of side income that comes from the excess of bringing in a lot of money and then putting all that stuff into, into an investment as well. And then those investments would create um, the, passive, the passive income that you're looking for. Yeah, I think it, absolutely the, the other way to go is to, to maximize your earnings. I think the interesting thing is whether you choose to live really frugally or whether you choose to really go for it in terms of building up earnings. I mean, in many ways, when you build a startup, that's ultimately you're trying to get a big payout. Yeah. But I think the thing, the, the really interesting challenge is how much is enough? And at yeah. what point are you going to step off that sort of hedonic treadmill mm -hmm. of getting more nice stuff? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, it was an interesting challenge for me when I sold my business <coughs> was I going to buy myself a bunch of toys, right? Yeah. Which I could have done and which could, could be fun. You know, it might be fun to have a yacht or something, mm. but you've either got to decide to do those things or you've got to decide to invest the money in, in the freedom that, that it can give you. And the interesting thing is that if you look at the empirical research, the vast majority of people who are buying luxury goods are not financially independent. They're high income, high spending. And that lifestyle is a never ending treadmill that I think you, know, you can continue to earn more and more. But, and, but you, if you have lifestyle inflation, then you ultimately don't get to the freedom of being able to do what you want. And it's, it's that I think is the, is the real question. I talk a little bit in my book about somebody who was a mentor to me who I really uh, admired, who talked to me. Uh, he was a guy who I met when I was a teenager and he was about five or six years older than me. And he was in the process of, of setting up a business and he had a plan to uh, 
get make a million and retire and his idea was i don't really need that much i you know i like reading books and thinking about ideas and i can survive on a million this was in the 90s so a million was worth more then but yeah. still he had that idea but what i observed in him is that the more that he earned that he did become fabulously rich but the more that he earned the more that idea sort of went into the background and he became more interested in the lifestyle inflation the things that he could get for earning more money and the, and the lifestyle that went with it. And in some ways, uh, I sort of stuck to his original vision because for me, mm. I just wanted to get to a point where I had enough um, and, then, and then find a way to, to change course. And I think that's the interesting thing about uh, earning a high income. I think it's great to earn a high income and great to really maximize that. And certainly for some people, that's much, a much uh, more that's going to be a much more appealing approach than the kind of frugal extreme saving approach. But you still have to decide when you have to decide how much is enough and what do you really yeah. want from life? What level of, of material wealth and material comfort, or rather more importantly, what level of consumption do you really need to be happy? And that I think is a, a very interesting challenge because there's so many messages pushing you to buy status symbols, which is ultimately a lot of this stuff is purely status based. Yeah. And so you have to decide whether or not you're going to get your sense of self-worth from how much you are able to show off your status versus the kind of, of freedom that it gives you to, to really live and do whatever you want with your day, which yeah. I think is the, the most important kind of freedom you can have. I think the distinction you made that jumped out at me was the connection between uh, self-worth and how much money you make and I think you can get into a lot of danger if you if, if you see that there is a link between how how worthy you are as a person and how much money you come in you bring in so if because if you see it that way then the more money you make the more self-worth you're kind of accruing through that process and that can be a bit dodgy because if you if you lose money then effectively your own self-worth is equated with that and you lose a sense of a sense of self and that's that's probably why you see a lot of depressed bankers jumping off buildings when 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 you know uh, stocks dip whatever mm. so so i've been thinking a lot about that recently is like how do you how do you disconnect the two how do you see your own self-worth as being completely independent of of how however much money you make and i think that's been really helpful it's just how how you manage to make that work from start to finish because I, I know that it's you're you're in a bit of a rare you're a bit of a rare breed in terms of being able to commit to a project like that see it through to completion, you know, create the full system that it needs to be uh, before selling it. That's quite an impressive achievement. Well, I think the interesting thing for me was that I was totally dedicated to what my business was doing because I really believed in the purpose of the business. And I think this comes back to what we we're talking about with the four hour work week idea. When I started the business, I didn't start it as a machine to generate income. I started it because I felt very passionately about the poor quality of environments for pedestrians and how badly street networks and shopping centers and other places are designed for pedestrians. And so my business was, we did computer simulation and modeling of pedestrian flows. And our job as a consultancy was to help people create better spaces for people to walk around in by understanding what pedestrians do and how pedestrians navigate and creating environments that work better, streets that work better and shopping centers that work better and so forth. So one of the things that I think is really important if you're going to do a startup is you have to actually be passionate about what it is that you're doing because it's so hard and you encounter so many failures and so many barriers that unless for my, at least this is my take on it, unless you really believe in what you're doing, it's very hard to keep going. That's what kept me going was that I really believed in, in what we were doing. And then in the process of starting a business, I was also able to take interest in the problem of creating a business itself as a problem. When we started, I was just interested in you know, the ideas about pedestrian movement and so forth. And in the first couple of years, it was so hard to make money that I had to take a, a look at myself and think like, well, what am I doing and what, what am I not doing right? And in many things that were uncomfortable for me because they weren't really in my background and weren't necessarily in my character, I had to learn how to do. Most importantly was selling. I had to really understand 
how to sell and take it seriously and treat it as a problem to be solved rather than, you know, a, a kind of chore that I was doing for the sake of it. I had, to, I had to take it on with enthusiasm as something to learn about and understand and treat it like a real, really interesting problem to solve. And so I managed to, to take the approach of treating the business side itself as an interesting problem too. And when you do that, I think it, it is super fascinating understanding what works in business, what doesn't work in business, setting up management systems, working out how to work as a team, working out how people tick and how you can you know, motivate people and incentivize people and so forth. So these problems, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you can, you can actually get a huge amount of fulfillment if you're willing to take them on as challenges rather than as kind of things that you also have to do, if you like. Yeah. And that's, that's what kept me going. And, the, and the, the, the interesting thing is that one of the reasons that I eventually sold the business was because my initial, my passion for the business, for pedestrian movement and so forth, I was getting to the point where I was actually starting to get interested in other things and I didn't feel quite so passionately about it. And that's one of the reasons why I, I did actually sell. So I think it's, I think, other people have different approaches to business. And I, I know some people are able to keep themselves going purely on the intellectual challenge of making money and of treating it like a machine. For me, it was more than that. It was also about feeling like we were doing something important and something that I believed in. Um, so that even if my business hadn't succeeded financially, it still felt like we were doing something that mattered and that I felt like this is a good use of my time. And I think if you can create a business like that, then that gives you the, the passion to keep going. But then if on top of that, you can take on the intellectual challenge of treating it as a business and having discipline in the approach that you take to the business so that you're doing the things that make money and you're understanding what your customers want and all of those other things too. Then if you can, if you compare those two things together, that's how you get to, to make something that, that uh, really succeeds. Hmm. I think there's a lot of, a lot of useful stuff that we could take from, from that, especially for my, my listeners, I think are mainly uh, entrepreneurs, freelancers, a lot of artists, a lot of creatives. And I, and I see a lot of people who follow me find it very easy to, to work on the stuff that they love to do, whether that be making art designs, working on a, a business that's going to solve problems. And that's, and that's key, being, being interested, obviously, in, in, in the focal point of the work and the problems that it's solving and the passion around that and knowing that you're involved in making a difference and, and, and solving those issues and creating solutions. I think that's sort of one aspect, but I think a lot of people fall short by thinking that the business is going to be just about that. It's about doing what you love, following your passion. And I've seen a lot of people really struggling with an approach that limits themselves to simply the, the passion, the love side of things. Cause I think it gives the false impression that everything is going to be fun in a business and it should be fun. And if you don't find it fun and if you experience pain, you're going to stop and you're going to give up. And then, so, so bringing in the, the idea of seeing the full business as a craft in and of itself. So it's, you know, there's the passion aspects of it, the, the stuff that's interesting, but then there's also the other stuff that might be less, uh, at least initially interesting to the, the business owner. <clears throat> but I think it really helps to see, as you say, the things that are less easy to get motivated about as, opportunities for growth as a challenge and and as a, as a sort of craft that could be developed in itself especially sales especially the ugly sounding idea of of selling stuff because if you're in business for anything uh you've got to be able to sell stuff <laughs> absolutely and i think this is the really important thing especially if your audiences a lot of them are artists and so forth because then i'm sure like me they don't want to do sales. That was my approach initially. Yeah. Oh, there was, I was far more interested in, in getting software developed and you know, interesting intellectual challenges like that than I was in doing sales. And the thing is, it's not because it's boring. I think it's the, the more important thing that you have to face is that it is emotionally challenging. And that is actually an incredible growth opportunity. This is one of the, thing, the reasons why I think starting a business is a peak experience. And it can be. If you take it seriously, then you are forced to face your own limitations and your own character deficiencies 
And for example, selling is one where you face an enormous amount of rejection and you face an enormous amount of failure. And that is psychologically an incredible challenge. And so it's very easy to avoid it because it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. But if you're willing to take it on, and think like, how can I actually approach this in a way that I am going to find fulfilling? And how can I do this in a way that I feel like I'm actually getting a growth experience out of this? Then it can be an amazing uh, experience. I mean, for me, the way that I approached it was very much, this is because this is the way that I think, I treated it all as something that to create systems about. Because for me, that depersonalized the rejection aspect of selling, you know, if you can, yeah. if you can get uh, really good information and get systems going where you can see like, okay, what's the proportion of successes that I have in this branch of industry versus that branch of industry with this type of sales approach versus that type of sales approach with direct selling versus affiliate relationships versus partnering and so forth. Then you can start to see like, okay, yes, I, I didn't sell anything here, but I sold more there. Why did I sell more there? And that becomes an interesting process that you think about, you can think about like, how can I actually improve on this? And for me, that meant that the rejection side of it became much less significant. It's just part of the whole system. Any individual yeah. sale that doesn't go through is much less significant. And that's the way that I was able to turn this into something that I could find fulfilling. It was sort of almost gamifying it for myself. Other people will have different approaches, but I think the main thing is it, it will force you to confront your weaknesses doing a business. And if you're able to take on that as an exciting challenge that you can grow and learn through, then you can face up to it and create something that, that, you know, that really works and that you actually do get fulfillment from the business side of it as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you treat the business side as an unfortunate chore getting in the way of the bit that you love, then it will never work because you'll never actually be forced to do the things that you, that you have to do. For me, it was a situation where, we started out, I invested a huge amount of money. I took out massive personal loans. I was 150 grand in debt uh, in, in the beginning of my business. And after almost a, a year and a half, we had, we had a very big project and then we had no work. And I had to let some people go. And I thought, what, what the hell am I going to do? I've got this huge debt. We haven't got any work coming in. And it forced me to change my approach. And I was able to get some good advice from, from somebody who, a friend of mine who was actually a management consultant who helped, who basically showed me what I wasn't doing and what I needed to do. But then most importantly, I was able to, I was willing to actually you know, bite the bullet and do the, do the uncomfortable things that needed doing. Yeah. Um, and I found that to be in the end, you know, one of the most exciting things about the business was yeah. actually becoming an entrepreneur. Yes. Well, there's nothing quite like a bit of financial pressure to, to push you into, you know, getting your act together and facing up to things that feel risky and things that feel um, uncomfortable and vulnerable and could, could you know, end up in, in rejection. So I, so I had an, a similar story in terms of feeling the financial pinch uh, back in 2014. I was living in Vietnam and I had done pretty well the year prior to that in my design business. And found myself with a surprising tax bill that came through and I had to find a way to make about 10 grand in a couple of weeks, which is a bit of a surprise for, a, for someone who was, you know, happily right. working, working away at illustrations. But um, that really pushed me into getting serious about figuring out a way to, to sort of take on that sense of vulnerability and sort of start asking for money more brazenly. Um, and, I, and I moved into business consulting at that point, which I hadn't done before. But I realized that that would be that would have to happen <clears throat> in terms of making use of the skills that I that I had at that point. And that involved just really stepping up and, and, and getting getting in front of people and, and um, you know, having conversations with them that would end up in a sale or not sale. But that was a very, a very full on, quite intense experience for someone who'd spent most of his time behind a screen, hiding away from any social interaction and any sense of social risk. And as soon as I. I did that and obviously I experienced a bit of rejection, but I came out of that with such a sense of growth as well as the, the gains that came through um, stepping up and taking the risk and the rewards that came through those risks. That taught me a lot, that phase of, of making that money back quickly through 
taking courage. And, and I think you're right. It's, it's so key to have the right mindset with all this and to see the potential to be rejected as not the potential to be rejected, but the potential to gain new information and to stretch yourself and to, to absorb new things that are going to build your own value. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, really interesting stuff about rejection because that, that's the thing that stops a lot of people from doing, from being able to do more to, 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 you know, experience their own full potential, but also to grow their own businesses and to see, um, really the freedom that you've been talking about is, is, has a lot to do with that. And I think, I think most of the, the lack of freedom that people experience comes, comes out of psychological imprisonment. Oh, definitely. I think the people, when people talk about wanting to start a business, but not starting, a lot of them talk about not having an idea yet, but I think actually the biggest thing that holds people back is the, the fear of being rejected. Yeah. That's, that's what stops people from starting. By the way, as always, when I podcast, the, there is a, uh, a, a bunch of guys unloading something outside. Something so if you hear some yeah. banging, then that's what's that's going right. on. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a strong, it can be such a strong psychological block. And it's, and it's so silly, really, when it's really, it's, it, ultimately, it's just a thought in your head. It's not, it's not that you're going to experience lower self-esteem by being rejected and the reason i'm talking about this is because i recently discovered the um i don't know if you've heard about the three principles um which is a a philosophy espoused by a guy called sid banks a scottish philosopher i think and he talked i haven't heard of that no it's it's interesting um it's an interesting way of taking off a lot of the pressure that we create in life by seeing outside circumstance, whether they, whether that be someone saying no to you or someone rejecting you or, um, you know, you being in debt, whatever it is that happens outside of your reality or, or, or in your circumstances and seeing that there is, there is no connection between that and who you are, how you react, how you experience life, because ultimately everything we experience is, is the thinking. It's how we think. So, so just seeing that distinction, seeing that actually everything that we experience is, is in our thinking. And you might disagree with that. I know that you, you're into objectivism and that kind of stuff as well. So I don't know if that kind of contradicts it, but um, it's really helped me personally to see um, how, you know, whenever, if I get nervous about something or if I get anxious around something, I know that I'm just anxious uh, as a response to the ideas I have in my head, the visions I have in my head. So if you can just sort of just basically turn down your incessant thinking, you'll find things a lot easier. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm not an objectivist myself. I, I did a podcast about going to an objectivist meetup, which I found very interesting. And I certainly yeah. find a lot of their ideas interesting. In general, though, I'm always interested in ideas and philosophies that help you take responsibility for your own life and give you as much locus of control as possible. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, I'm very appreciative of approaches where you focus on the things that you can do. And for example, changing your mindset, changing your ideas are things that are in your control. That's what I think. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that it's worth focusing on. This is sort of some of the things that I appreciate about stoicism are around, around these ideas as well, just focusing on the things that you can actually control. That's why I'm not interested in politics because I'm interested yeah. in things that I can affect change in. And my society starts with the people that I interact with and that I actually encounter and that I can make an impact on. That's where I think I make a difference in this world. And ultimately that's, that's all we can do is to, to actually, uh, you know, be as positive a force within our own relationships and in the world that we find ourselves. Mm. And so uh, I'm very into taking responsibility for your own life. And, and you have to, if you want to achieve freedom, that's one of the, another thing that holds people back is the mindset of thinking about <coughs> the world being something out there that you are a product of yeah. rather than thinking in terms of, you know, what can you actually change? What, what can you do yourself that you are uh, in control of to change things for yourself? Mm. Yeah, it's very much the difference between creativity and reactivity. I, I, I've talked about this a lot. Is, is there's, if you really want to boil things down to 
very simple, a very simple way of visualizing the ideal way to be in the world. It's, it's about creating, you know, creating your reality and, and um, knowing that you have full responsibility and doing what you, what you know you can do to create that reality rather than reacting to everything that's happening around you. And I think it's, it's very easy, very human to get into the, the state of, oh no, life is happening to me and um, it's making me depressed and it's, it's, it's so difficult, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's really helped to, to be able to A, identify when that's happening and B, to know that you can then just move into creating again and saying, well, what can I learn from this? How can I use this as an opportunity to grow and to, and to stretch? And that, that's huge. If you can really absorb that idea, um, building things like businesses and, and becoming an entrepreneur and being independent and being totally free, <clears throat> um, it's going to be a lot, a lot easier. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm always interested in, in those kind of approaches. And I think one of the things that, that really is difficult for people in thinking about things like starting a business is that when you spend years and years in school, you are effectively getting trained to be an employee mm. and to think about other people being responsible for uh, you know, running businesses and, and, and managing the world and you yeah. being just a cog in the machine. Uh, whereas if you think about it in terms of if you treat life as an entrepreneur, then you're thinking in terms of what you can create and what you can go out and, and build rather than where you can find a job mm. with somebody else. It takes quite a contrarian view and quite a sense of resistance to how things are supposed to be. Because as you say, we're so, so um, socially programmed in so many different ways. Um, and I've been seeing this come to the fore more and more over the years you know the more you question things the more you can sort of be able to step outside of things and see and, and ask you know what you know is this is this really the way things should be or is this the really, really the way things are supposed to be um i think it's definitely help, healthy to question a lot of the things that we hold as um the way things should be done in quotes um and i and i think as many entrepreneurs will identify with there is certainly a sense of um, going against the grain in that um, <clears throat> a lot of the work and a lot of the commitment around entrepreneurship is, is going to feel like you are taking a very contrarian, very, yeah, against the grain approach. And that takes quite a lot of courage, I'd say. Um, and, and the healthy mindset that we were talking about as well. Yeah, I wish it wasn't that way. I, I, mm. I don't want to be a contrarian for the sake of it, you know, and sometimes when, especially when I think about all the choices that I make, which in some ways I, I, I am making eccentric choices compared to the mainstream of, of life. And I kind of think to myself, well, it, it forces, you know, it, it forces you to, to really challenge yourself as to whether or not you, you're right when you think in ways that are contrary to so many other people. And I find it hard. I, I'd much rather that, you know, mainstream ideas were all, were all uh, going to work for me. I wish, I wish I didn't have to be such a contrarian in lots of ways because mm. uh, I, I find it difficult being contrarian, but ultimately that's one of the things that you have to do if you want to, to live life, a life of your own choosing. And uh, it's painful to go against um, sort of the, the grain of, of what many people choose to do with their lives. Um, but ultimately the, the, uh, the benefits are worth it. Yeah. Do you, do you think you'd have less of a sense of freedom though, if, if there wasn't this underlying sort of the mainstream approach to things and, and very much a sense, unfortunately, that a lot of people are stuck in certain ways and certain ways of thinking and, and, and also just sort of not, not free in many of the ways I think, um, yeah, I, I also read the book um, by Harry Brown. So the things that he espouses in that also worth a read. Um, do, do you think that the that how was, I found freedom in an unfree world? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think the fact that the world is still pretty unfree in many ways, um, the sense of freedom that you get from stepping out of that is is probably a little bit more profound. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Again, I wish it wasn't. I wish the world in general was, was freer. I don't see why 
uh, a vastly larger number of people shouldn't be able to um, to achieve financial freedom and shouldn't be able to have their own businesses and work and work for themselves yeah. and take some time, you know, away from work, uh, get, given the opportunities that I think exist to do that. Um, but so I, I wish it wasn't that way, but, but certainly it, it does, you know, when you're able to achieve the kind of freedom that you can seeing that a lot of people don't like, I mean, for example, we talked earlier on about people who are high income and yet who are, just suffering under enormous amount of credit card debt and um, lack of financial freedom because of the lifestyle choices that they've made. Mm. You know, it, that, that, when I see that, it makes me feel even more free in, in, uh, you know, living debt free and, 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 uh, and being able to do what I want with my day. Um, but I, I wish it wasn't way, that way. I, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, this again is that we were talking about personal responsibility. This is a question, a matter of taking responsibility for the things that you can actually do and doing them and not blaming other, not blaming the world around you for the things that, that were your own choices. Yeah. Well, we, we live in a world where we haven't got that many things that are holding us back physically, you know, um, in, in, you know, the sort of concrete terms, it's mostly from what I see, um, a lack of freedom in, in the psychological sense. And, I don't know, like, I, I wonder whether um, the people who are holding themselves back in many ways actually are quite satisfied in that position or whether they, if they could only be told by someone how things could be, that they, that they might change. But I get the sense that a lot of people are not actually willing to, to experience, you know, things like the long-term travel, uh, living abroad and, and having that financial freedom. I, I don't know, maybe people kind of sadistically want to have that struggle. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I think a lot of things that you would hope if people were educated there about ideas, then they would change their approach. Um, mm. But um, there's a nice quote that I like from an entrepreneur called Derek Sivers, um, which is, he said, the reason that I don't have a six pack is not from lack of information. You know, it's not... It's not the reason that you don't have perfect abs. It's not because you lack the information, right? We all know how to get perfect abs. Yeah, <laughs> it's because it's a, yeah. right. Exactly. It's not a lack of information. And so I, I think that's the interesting thing about it. Um, uh, and that, I think that that's a very true statement when it comes to many things uh, in life yeah. that um, it's not necessarily that you can't find out how to live more differently, but that, it is psychologically and emotionally challenging um, to to actually uh, confront some of the some of the fallacies that you might have been brought up with in your family on yeah. in school and so forth, and and really decide things for yourself. Do you think it takes a certain personality type to be the sort that goes into entrepreneurship and does the digital nomad thing? I, I get the sense that it might be that there's, there's something in the DNA aspect of it. Do you think that's true? I wonder about that. I, I really do. I, I don't know. I, I don't think, <clears throat> I think certainly I've met many different types of entrepreneur and there are very much entrepreneurs who lead from the front and entrepreneurs who are more like the mastermind in the background. Mm. Um, and I also think like we were talking about before that depending on your personality type, you might achieve a job free life in different ways. Like certainly some personalities we much more uh, attuned towards sort of extreme saving approach and others would be more interested in the kind of uh, startup entrepreneurship that, that I did. So I, I don't know, but, but it's interesting to me that, you know, I think it's an interesting question to ask of oneself, like how much of the things that I have done with my life were ultimately there from the beginning in terms of, of my personality and how much of them are in terms of, the ideas that I have. One thing I will say is that I think it's very tempting to take a kind of, especially if you're interested in science and you're interested in sort of scientific method, it's very interesting to imagine ourselves as being determined by our DNA and, and circumstance. And that ultimately I think is a, a very self-defeating philosophy because it takes away your agency and the, and the power 
that you have to actually choose things for yourself. One of the things, I mean, the most exciting thing about being human and being alive is the fact that you do have the ability to choose for yourself, to think for yourself about what you want from life and to change your mind and learn from your mistakes and your experiences. So mm. I, I think I'm sure that, that many of the things that, that are important in life and, and that have been important in my life have been an, a part of me from my DNA onwards. But I think it's, it's clear, empirically clear that you can change your life. You can change course and that's the side of life i think that you have to really focus on if you want to do so otherwise you become a self-fulfilling prophecy you know otherwise if you don't believe that you have the chance to change your life you won't yeah yeah that's the big thing isn't it it's just how how we think of ourselves in our own world it's 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 key that we are able to see a crack in the you know on the horizon and sort of step through that if we find ourselves being trapped in that way i think it's 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 key to have that self-awareness um and yes, I, I agree with you. I think I think the D DNA sort of argument, in terms of that determining who you're going to be through the scope of your life, is I think very very minimal compared to the uh, the nurture aspects of that um, and the things that you pick up as you go through life and, and the opportunities that are there. I think I think anyone has the capacity to change, and I think some people might find it might have more of a challenge on their hands um, because of the fact that they just don't see it. They don't see that you that there is an ability to change. Um, and so there's a lot of heaviness around the boundaries that a lot of people will impose on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and also it, it can become an interesting excuse too. I mean, as it, when I started writing about financial independence, I got some interesting pushback, especially from high income people. Mm. I remember uh, one of the comments that I got was from a guy, I believe he worked at Google. Uh, so he's obviously quite high income because it's a really good job. And he was saying, oh, financial independence is impossible. You can't, you know, this is, nobody can ever achieve this. And I was thinking to myself, this is so interesting coming from someone who works at Google. Like of all the people who could, this is one of the people who definitely could achieve it. Um, and yet he's pushing back. And I think the reason for that is that if you are set on a course, let's say, for example, this guy, and this is all just me imagining things. I don't know, know what, what's true or not. Let's yeah. say that he got into his, his lifestyle at Google, spending money and living, you know, living a, a comfortable life and, and generally enjoying the, the lifestyle that you can get if you have a really good job like that. Then he reads something about being super frugal and saving for financial independence. And that's a challenge because, you know, reading about other people doing that, it's it's sort of you can read it as an as a criticism of your own lifestyle if you if you want if you want to you can think like okay well if they're doing it and I'm not what's wrong with me and why haven't I been more yeah. disciplined in my saving and so forth and so you can get a lot of pushback from people who who don't want to hear this kind of ideas because it because they hear it as a challenge yeah I've seen plenty of that and I think you're right I think it's about people <clears throat> making a decision for themselves and wanting to make sure and everything that they see around them is, is con confirmation that they've made the right decision. Um, and so I guess the ego is at play in that regard. People want to know that they're doing the right thing. And if there's something that goes against it and su might suggest indirectly that they've made possibly um, the wrong decision or not quite the right decision for them, then they're going to resist against that. So I suppose that brings into play the idea of um, being clear on on the decisions you make and and um, I guess the mindset you bring to it and being open to you know challenging yourself yeah totally yeah and I think you have to get into that kind of approach where you where challenging yourself becomes almost a way of life otherwise otherwise it, it's like it's just like being fit you know you sort of just have to keep at it otherwise yeah. uh, you, you will um the the path of least resistance um will will get you right yeah i i, I suppose if there's anything as we as we close off to, to really take from this conversation i think it's the idea of um continually being open to well being willing to challenge yourself and to continue, continually grow because if you if you close off that uh, trajectory with everything that you do, then you're going to, you're going to be stuck. And I think that's the worst kind of lack of freedom to have is just not, is not growing, being static and being closed to the, the potential to, to change. 
Yeah, I think, as you said, you know, when I think about your audience and you mentioned sort of artists and starting business and stuff, I think something to, to, to leave with is if you're going to do this, then try and treat all of these things as an extreme personal development challenge and take, try and take pleasure as much as you can. I mean, it's a weird kind of pleasure because it's painful, but try and take, get fulfillment. I think is probably a better word from the process of challenging yourself um, to, you know, to overcome some of the barriers that you have, whether it's around selling or, or challenging the values that you're brought up with so that you can create the life of your own choosing. Yeah. Love it. Totally agree with that. I think it's, it's, it's all about that mindset of being open to change, being open to continually challenging yourself and seeing pain as, you know, it's just something that happens as part of the whole package of what you're doing and, and see, see a way to enjoy every part of it. And there, there, there will be ways. I mean, pain doesn't mean that you need to move away from those things. It means that it's, it's an area that has potential for a bit more growth and a bit more stretching. Uh, and through all that, that's, that's where you will grow, grow that value and you'll be, you know, you'll be of use to the world and you'll have much more freedom that way. So yeah. Yeah, it. absolutely. So I appreciate the conversation, Jake. Um, learned a lot there, gained a huge amount and um, really fascinating to hear your story. So I appreciate that. Thanks very much for having me on. No worries. Where, where can we hear more about you and, and, and follow you and, and where can we get your books, for example? Best place to go is uh, thevoluntarylife.com and you'll find links to my books on there. And um, they're on Amazon as paperback and ebook and audio book and audible as well so yeah but the voluntarylife.com is probably a good place to start fantastic thank you jake